0: Here we come blue and white and we're looking good
1: You'll be in for a fight and we fight pretty good Getting goals is our job and we get goals good Looking good, we are Carlisle United Carlisle United, the team that's on the ball
0: top of the league and having a laugh. Hello everyone, we're back. The Brunton Bugle's back for the new year. Happy new year to everyone listening. Um, Hope you've all had a good Christmas and uh, not eaten too much over the festive period. Um, Yes, yeah, so we're back. The Brunton Bugle, your one-stop shop for Cal United in the podcast world. From Stan Bowles to Sean Brisley and Bob Spottiswood to Mike Sutton, we've got it covered. This is episode 30 and today we're going to be taking a look back at the draw v Bolton and the win over Walsall that sent United to the top of the league previewing this weekend's game at Brunton Park against Leighton Orient and some news updates and looking at what X United players have been getting up to. Uh, as usual, I'm joined by one of my regular co-hosts. Today, it's Mike Booth. Mike, how's it going, mate?
2: Yeah, it's kind of good. I think we're going to try and shoehorn the fact that we're top of the league as many times as we possibly can into this episode. I think it's only fair. Well,
0: we've got to enjoy it. it been, what, just over four <laughs> years? So, you know, yeah. got, to, got to, you know, Rinse it for as much as you can, really, don't you? We haven't really got much time for the uh, general crack at the start today, but uh, Link in those players, I think you can guess it.
2: Yeah, obviously all uh, ex Leighton Orient and uh, Carlo. No, one of them isn't. Oh. Have a guess which one isn't. Sean Brisler Nope. Oh. It's Mike Sutton. Uh, oh, I put Mike go. Sutton
0: in there because obviously sadly he passed away recently, former United uh, midfielder, son of Chris and John, of course, his son who also played for us had a long battle with dementia, didn't he, I think, um, as a result of heading a footballer, I reckon. And I know Chris has been leading quite a big campaign on this with, uh, against the PFA and the lack of action they've taken on it, in his view. Um, yeah, so the, all the rest of them play place. Stan Bowles, obviously, I mean, putting him alongside uh, Sean Brisley is a bit of a, a stretch, really, isn't it, when you compare quality of
2: footballers. Well, they've both scored spectacular goals at Brunton Park, so, you know. One of them scored one spectacular goal. I think, I think the other scored a few
0: more, to say the least. Um, yeah. yeah, Bob Spotswood is an interesting one. He actually played uh, for Clapton Orient, which is was late in Orient back in the day. Do you know which football team he managed? I haven't got a clue. Inter Milan. Oh, there you go. First ever professional manager of Inter Milan. We're going to do a special episode about him at some point because he's a very interesting character and uh, what happened to his career after Inter Milan as well and well, before that as a footballer. who's a... Quite an interesting one. He played in the first ever Cal United football team. Ah. There you go. There you go. Um, Okay, let's get straight into the news then, Mike, because we have got a lot to cover today. Uh, Because it's been two weeks, I think, since we last recorded, or maybe even Mm. more than that. Um, First up, good news. Beach and Skelton signed one-year contract extensions. It's the first chance we've had to mention this, obviously. Um, United fans got an extra special present on Christmas Day. His head coach, Chris Beach, and his assistant, Gavin Skelton, have agreed one-year extensions to them. Deals, keeping them at the club until June 2022. Fantastic news on Christmas Day, wasn't it, Mike? Yeah,
2: it really was. Best Christmas present that I got this year, I think. Really? You don't get much <laughs> then? I <laughs> uh, got a lot of socks. You know, oh. The older you get, the better socks are as a present. But no, it's, it's great to see. And there's been sort of murmurs, haven't there, about um, the Fleetwood job with Beach at the minute. But sort of our next top, obviously, Bennett, is that he was sort of saying to Bennett is that money isn't everything and been happy like I, I think I think he said that when he was a er, when Beach was earning the most money in his playing career was when he was least happy um, and yeah. it, it, he'd rather sort of just be happy and I think he's really started something here. He's got Bennett to stay. Bennett stayed because of him. So I, th- I think Beach is obviously going to stay as well as only just signed a contract.
0: Yeah. We obviously haven't got any news on the rest of the coaching staff.ing Steve Collis is the keeper coach. Um, hopefully we'll get some good news on that one soon because he seems to have done a good job with Paul Farman. But uh, yeah, so uh, on to the next one, Mike. And it's one that uh, you've uh, touched on there briefly, but uh, I think this club sums it up best.
2: You know what? I'm not
0: leaving. I'm not
1: leaving. I'm not leaving! <laughs> The show goes on! Yeah.
0: This is my home! There you go. That sums it up. because <laughs> that, That's the clips he used, isn't it? On the gifts when he confirms. confirmed it. So, yeah, Reese Bennett. Yeah. stay until the end of the season. Fantastic news, this one. I mean, it'd be lovely to get him on an even longer deal, but I think we've got to be realistic here. If he does well with us, they're probably going to be championship clubs potentially sniffing at him. He's, what, 29 now? 30? You know he'll want his last big chance to play in the uh, second tier at the very least. So yeah. you wouldn't, you know, if he if he got us up and went at the end of the season, got a championship club, you wouldn't blame him, would you? UB? You be, no. you know, you go with our best wishes at the very least. But it, it's just fantastic that he's decided to sign for us rather than because he had interest apparently from teams up at the top end of League One, didn't he? Yeah, and he's, yeah, he's turned that down. So that that's a that's a good sign of just what a good place. Burnham Park is to be for a player right
2: now, isn't it? Yeah, it reminds me a lot of the uh, Michael Bridges situation back in oh five oh six. It was a case yeah. of if we can keep him, we could well win the league. If we can't, we might just be looking at a playoff place. And I'm not being funny, but there's no way that he should be playing in League Two, like you, you know. And so- someone put a tweet up the other day that saying uh, having Aaron Hayden and uh, Reese Bennett as your centre halves in League League Two should be illegal because yeah. it's it- it's just it's an insane centre-back partnership,
0: it really well, is. We're forgetting how good Hayden actually has been because mm. Bennett has been so good. And I think mm. Hayden's stepped up a level as well. And he's shown he can play at right-back as well, which is know testament to how good a footballer Hayden actually is. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just fantastic news all around. And the thing that stands out is all the players tweeting about it. And obviously, we, we ourselves, I know Dan uh, set it up, they did the little campaign through the Cumbrian's Net Twitter account, getting everyone to tweet Reese and uh, try and convince him to stay. I know that me and a few of us offered him a trip to Allenby for some twenty minutes ice cream and <laughs> father chips. So I might have to, take might have to deliver on that. that now. I might have to, I'll have, to, I'll have to. I'll have to double check whether twenty minutes does vegan ice cream or not. If you can get vegan ice cream, because he is of course famously a vegan. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, brilliant news, and you can see how much the players love him, and you see how much the players all really—they they feel together, don't they? They feel like yeah. a... A squad that likes each other. I mean, last season you never got that impression. We'll talk about one member of that squad last season later on in this episode <laughs> and uh, his future. But you, you always got that impression there was uh, there was sort of characters who almost butting heads, weren't they? And there wasn't it, there was no real sort of togetherness there. Yeah, you, you don't get that now, do you? You get that feeling that they all want to succeed, and they all enjoy playing for the club.
2: Yeah, definitely, and you could tell, I mean, a lot of the players wanted Bennett to stay just as much as we did, you know, yeah. they really sort of are a, a part of the club, and it, it's 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 great to see, there's no one who, you know, sort of, is sort of, I don't know how to say this, none of the players seem like they're just sort of token, flashy, knobhead footballers, they all seem yeah. like a really good bunch of lads who just, you know, will do anything for the shirt, and it really shows on the pitch as well.
0: And they're all likeable players. I mean, I, I, I absolutely love Amari Patrick. I mean, his enthusiasm for playing for us as well. And he seems to thrive off the fact that he's actually loved at this football club. Mm. And he's probably not had that other than maybe when he was at Wrexham before. Mm. And he's really, and his performances have gone up another level in the last few weeks, haven't they? And yeah, that, yeah, they really have. That really has. Um, briefly, again, touching on this one is the fact that um, Beach and Bennett have also been nominated for the. Uh, Player and manager of the month, haven't they, for December for League Two. Fantastic, that. And I, I have a feeling Bennett probably won't get his because it's uh, Max Waters is up for it, isn't he? And he's done phenomenally well at Crawley mm.
2: over the last month. I think Beach has got a hell of a good chance of getting the manager one though, doesn't he? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, well, I, I don't have the stats to hand, but I think the last time Beach was nominated, he had a better month, I think, than this month. Possibly. I'm not 100%,
0: but yeah. I, I, I just have this feeling that... He, because the Forest Screen Manager hasn't been nominated for him, they obviously the only team that beat us. So mm. you think you never know, you never know. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't know when they're, they're confirmed. Hopefully in the next few days, but probably tomorrow morning when this comes out, <laughs> I imagine after yeah. Slodzlaw. But, um, but yeah, uh, another bit of um, sort of contracty sort of news. I mean, this one's a bit not hundred percent confirmed, but it seems to be. Is there Joshua Coyote seems to be staying, doesn't he? Mm. Um, just sort of news came out today, wasn't it? Paul Warren, the Rotherham manager, I think he was doing a, a pre game thing ahead of their FA Cup tie this weekend. And he was asked about Coyote, and he's said he's really happy with the progress he's making. And, you know, other clubs are showing interest, obviously, in him and things like that. But he's basically confirmed that he won't be recalled by Rotherham to be involved in their squad. He's going to mm. stay out on loan. Now, there's no confirmation there they'd will be Carl United, but the reports that Radio Cumbria seem to be getting is the decision's been left with Coyote himself as to whether he wants mm. to stay or he wants to go to a club at a high-level league, one potentially Doncaster being mentioned, I think, in a few places. Mm. Um, But he seems happy here, doesn't he? And he he put a tweet up the other day with a little blue circle on it, you know, very cryptic, and he seemed really happy Mm. to see that Bennett was staying. I I can't see him going anywhere else. I'm sure he's looking and thinking, this is the best chance I've got of getting promotion this season. Yeah, exactly. Why why go anywhere else?
2: Exactly, and as I've said all along, when you hang up your boots, you you want to show your grandkids your medals, don't you? You don't want to tell them about the time you finish mid-table with Gillingham, sir. Yeah, so, so ho- hopefully
0: hopefully he's going to stay with us and uh, earn himself a, a promotion and hopefully his uh, his agent's behaviour on Twitter was just him being a little bit of a naughty boy, shall we say. <laughs> um, other loan news, obviously. We, I didn't put it in the running order, Mike, but the uh, of the other loanies, they've all gone back, haven't they? Dewhurst um, has gone back. Mm-hmm. But that one was a bit more, I think, they would have liked to keep him, but you, you can't really be leaving Norman out of the squad, can you? So it's one of those no. ones, I think if Farman had done so brilliantly well at the start of the season, Dewhurst might have got his chance and might have been in the team right now. But yeah. the way things have worked out, it's just, just the way it is, isn't it? And I think there's a feeling like if, let's say next season, let's say Farman left or Norman left or something, you know, could always go back and potentially bring Dewhurst back to the club, possibly, but just one of those ones, isn't it? The other two, Conor Malley, I don't think there's any particular yeah. worry about him going back. It just never worked out that one. Obiero, an interesting one, isn't it? Because no. there seems to be a bit of consternation there in terms of how it's happened. I think it sounds like Beach might would have preferred to maybe kept him a little bit longer. But Huddersfield have called him back because he hasn't been getting game time. But what what were they expecting? Mm, He's exactly. not going to get in the team ahead of the front three currently. He's not better than Toure. He's not going to get ahead of him. He wasn't going to get ahead of Riley. We'll touch on him in a minute. Mm. Um Yeah, it's one of those weird ones. He might spoil the
2: relationship loan-wise there for a bit. Yeah. Well,
0: they are Beach's former club, so maybe he'll have a good link there I don't know but, but at,
2: yeah. at the same time these players have gone back and obviously you know the next point Gavin Riley obviously he's gone so that's probably freed up quite a bit of the wage budget which enabled us to keep Bennett perhaps uh, yeah I, I wonder that I, I imagine
0: the the, the loanees that have gone back were not on massive wages probably no. in terms of thing but it is money saved at the end of the day and if they're not getting used and we've seen young players come through who can fill that role without needing them then yeah definitely what's the point um so yeah, moving on to the next one, Gavin Riley. So, obviously, sadly, Gavin's left the club. He's returned north of the border. Had his contract terminated by mutual consent in the late afternoon. I think it was basically done to sort, so he could basically make his move, wasn't it? He signed for Livingston uh, in the SPL uh, on an eighteen-month deal. It's a good, good deal for him, to be fair, isn't it? You know, yeah. you can't argue with that. And I, I, f- I feel a bit sad for him, really. It, it, it's one that's it suits both both parties, isn't it? Really, just didn't quite work out for him. I don't, I don't. I think when you look at the tweets and the posts on Facebook about him, there's not a bad word said about him. There's not one saying, oh, we've got rid of a donkey here. I think most mm. people just accepted he just didn't quite fit in the system and it never quite fell for him, did it, in some of those league games?
2: Yeah, I mean, he had a couple of decent chances, didn't he, in the games that he played that he just couldn't quite put away. But John Mellish had that in his first sort of few games until he until he got scoring, you know, and sometimes, he was never going to get that run in the team, was he? No, exactly, Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a shame, but sort of, there's no sort of hard feeling, in uh, his departure really, is there?
0: Yeah, like I say, he's just a bit unlucky, he just just needed to find himself, a a club where he's going to play, maybe a little bit more often, and, you know, he's done well north of the border before, I think, you know, this is a chance for him to play in the top flight up there as well. And I'm sure, he, you know, mm. he'll, he'll be happy up there. And, you know, all the best to him. I've, I think he had a couple of decent games though as well. I think that that game against, uh, was it Vale. I think? Mm. The way game he filled in for Coyote when he was on international duty. He had a fantastic game, that one. He he worked his socks off and he he didn't really have any that many clear-cut chances in that game. He had one, So it's just one of those ones, isn't it? Um, mm. All the best to Gav, you know, it's... Um, in terms of replacing him um, Beach has confirmed hasn't he that he'd like to have another look at Chedwin Scott the trialist who played the reserve game Mm. before Christmas one problem here is we're probably going to be difficult to arrange bounce games isn't it? the ones that aren't official ones how how are they going to do that I don't know Mm. so whether they just get him in for a little bit more training and decide I'm not sure I've I've heard rumours of other trialists potentially coming in how how are they going to fit them in as well I don't know but Mm. we'll just have to wait and see um but yeah, uh, next up, the Harrogate game, obviously abandoned. We'll sort of briefly touch on that now, Mike. It, how that game went ahead, I'm, I'm, I'm still baffled by. Mm. It, it was pretty clear beforehand where the problem area was. There was some heat lamps over it. It was an hour-half of the pitch we were defending. The fact that Harrogate changed ends at the start mm. should have been a bit of a giveaway yeah, to the exactly. fact that there may be a problem with that half the pitch.
2: I, and their fans were saying, oh, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, why did your players change ends then? So, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: there was no, there was no wind. There's no obvious advantage in terms of yeah. wind. and you know, Clearly, that's the way they normally kick towards. If That's the way they went before mm. the game, the way that we always defend the Warwick before a game unless we get switched around. So, mm. it, it's yeah, it was a bit of a weird one. And I don't know how, why the ref... It was all going to get worse, and clearly it was touch and go. Mm-hmm. Sensible thing surely would have been say, "Look, let's just call it off." Because it was, it's been rearranged really quickly, hasn't it? So the game's going to get mm-hmm. take place now on the Tuesday, next Tuesday, the twelfth of January, to seven pm kickoff this time. I think that's going to start becoming the uh, the in Vogue thing again, isn't it? With the games behind closed doors, sadly. Yeah.
2: Um, well, I mean, like I, I do some work up near Harrogate sometimes, and like that, it's just one of them places where. There's just always going to be snow. It's always like a lot colder than somewhere else that could be like 10 miles yeah. away. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if next Tuesday it's called off as well and they're going to have one hell of a backlog um,
0: in the running. I wonder if playing it at seven o'clock is a bit of an advantage there though. It gives it a little bit more, less chance of it bit going too cold. Maybe. But we'll have to wait and see, but um, yeah. we're not going to do a proper preview for that game because we've already done one. So if you want to listen to it, go and listen to the pre-Christmas one you can get your preview there we'll do some predictions at the end of this episode for that one but uh no preview um just a bit of luck really isn't it for us suppose, in the sense that it's that it uh, got abandoned because we looked a bit shaky at the start really um mm. but hey ho, just one of those ones um yeah i think that's it the only other bits to cover really is the fact that sadly fans are not able to go to games again now are they because of uh no. the change in the tiers and I saw an announcement just before we recorded tonight that the EFL have confirmed there's going to be twice a week COVID tests for every club and every player. know, yeah. And I can only see more games getting called off as a result. So key thing for us is to build that points per game up as quickly as possible.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, at the same time as sort of you know fans can't go to games, um, there's been quite a few games in recent years where the pitch has been all right, but the police have said, "Oh no, it's not safe around the ground for the fans." Yeah, so it's not maybe. A problem, though, is it? Yeah, exactly. That's not an issue. So, you know, you, you might lose some games with COVID, but might gain some games that would otherwise be called off because there's no fans. Yeah, that's the way it is.
0: OK, let's get onto the match reviews then, Mike. Um, we're not going to cover the Bolton one in as much depth as we probably would have done, um, but we'll sort of briefly touch it. So for the second game in a row, United blew the chance to go top of the league, but this time they shared the points in a pulsating encounter at Brunton Park on Boxing Day. So raced into that early 2-0 lead, grabbing the third on 36 minutes, and then they conceded a bit of a sloppy goal, didn't they, just before the break? It's one mm-hmm. of the ones it was a little bit lucky as well, because it took a big deflection when it looped up to the far post. Um, but then second half, I mean, well, I mean, first half, it could have been 5-6-1, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. it? Absolutely battered Bolton for that first 40 minutes or so, and then they just got into it just before the break, and I think the conditions actually got worse after the break, to be honest. When you mm. look back at it, it was, pouring down with rain, um, wind was properly whipping up, um, and they pegged us back late on, didn't they, those two goals, yeah. straight in that game,
2: wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, one thing for me, it didn't show it in the highlights, because I would like to have seen it again, but at 3-1 up, with about 10 minutes left, Guy played a glorious ball through to Coyote, and yeah. it was one-on-one with the keeper, and he fluffed it, and you're thinking, it could have been 4-1 then, and you know, maybe a different outcome, but it's it's one of them, isn't it? <laughs> you know, um, and obviously their lad who scored the equaliser should have been sent off. And Well, but, th- th- let's briefly touch on that one then about how hmm. poor
0: the referee was, because I've seen some Bolton fans you know, bitching about on Twitter and complaining and saying, oh, you know, he, you know, the first booking got given, he won the ball, it was a good tackle. Well, actually, if you go back and watch it, he does win the ball, he slightly to win the tackle, but he's got a fistful of Patrick's shirt, so Patrick can't get to the ball. That's mm-hmm. why he got ahead of him. So he didn't clip him with his feet, but he pulls him back with his shirt. So the ref's got it absolutely spot on in booking him for that. What he did do was bottle out of s- giving him a second booking mm-hmm. when he totally took out Coyote like way after the ball had gone. And we were clean away. This was a, I think this was still 3-1 at that point, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously he sends him off late on. The one he sent him off late on, there's nothing tackle really. Nothing mm-hmm. Wouldn't normally be a booking other than the fact that he'd let him off with the one previously. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's all that. I think if, it, if they'd gone down to ten men, I think we would have comfortably seen that game yeah. Um But just the way it was, and
2: but I mean, well, the, one of the things this season that I've noticed the, these games where we have dropped points. There's so many are oh, shoulda, woulda, coulda. You know, if if only this had happened, if only that didn't happen. Like you know, you can sort of it's such fine margins that's costing us points. Whereas previous years, we just weren't good enough. That was why we weren't That's why we were dropping points at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, Um, I'll briefly touch on the couple of talking points from this game then rather than doing it combined with the Walsall one, but um, we we talked about the dreadful refereeing, but let's talk about Ian Evans' comments before the game, I mean, some managers just never learn their lesson on these things. Mm -hmm. He 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 sought the way he did it, he almost did it as a back on compliment, so they're very direct, you know, that's the way they play, you know, fair play and blah, blah, blah. And then he said they played a game against Cheltenham recently, the only game they lost. I bet that was a thrilling one for the fans. I was like, well actually, you know what? Mm. Most of our games have been pretty good this season. Mm. Even against teams, you know, that are similar in that they go direct. Mm. I'd, I'd, I'd hate to watch Bolton all season the way they were playing. They were awful mm. for, for a squad that's been put... I know their fans are trying to claim, oh, we've not spent that much more money than you. I mean, come on, you've got Owen Doyle <laughs> in there. He's mm. given at least four grand a week, surely. Mm. Not mm. far off that if, if he isn't. I and mean, I mean, God, he was awful. I mean, it's fair. If he'd played for us, I reckon he probably would have scored a hat-trick because mm. of the chances he'd be they, they do not play to his strengths at all. And because it's a bit we're obviously not going to go too much into depth in this game, but Got to give a a big shout out, and a big uh, round of applause to uh, Ricardo Santos, who is, uh, I think we can already give the award of the Jude Sterling Award for this season for the appalling defensive performance. <laughs> he was absolute crap, wasn't he? Mm. I've, I've seen some bad players in, in this division for a while. And some of their fans were claiming he was best defender in League 2 a few weeks before. I mean, come on. He's not even, he wouldn't even be our third or fourth best defender, probably. No. he <laughs> At the end of the day. Um, actually funny enough we didn't mention in the news that Max Hunt's gone out on loan hasn't he as well I completely forgot about that yeah, yeah, but he's done pretty well his last few games they've won three of the last four haven't they I mean these debuts want to forget they lost heavily against Torquay but mm. since then like I said they've they've won three of the four games and seems mm. to be settling in well and it just shows the strength and depth we've got in that position doesn't it really yeah it um, really does okay I think that's boxed off the bottom game there's not really much point in going over that any more than we already have so let's move on to the uh First game of the new year, uh, Walsall nil, Cal United two. Um, obviously with the Harrogate game abandoned, um, United missed out on the chance to go to the new year top of the pile, but with a string of our rivals seeing their games called off at the weekend, the trip to West Midlands to face Walsall, presented the chance to go top of the pile for the first time since 26th of November, 2016, when we beat Mansfield Town 5-2 at Brunton Park. Charlie White scored a hat-trick in that game. Um, I think we both went to that game, you know? I've got some weird memory of the fact that we were both at that one. I might be wrong there. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Never really looked in trouble in this game, did we? Always looked uh, uncomfortable. No. Yeah. You know, once again, we only had we had less than 40% possession, 38 is what we had. Mm. But we looked in control. You, when you watch the game, you wouldn't think we'd had such a low amount of possession, would you? No, we'd exactly. It's strange, wasn't it? And Patrick, obviously, he's hitting a bit of a scoring streak, and Coyote's found the net for the first time in a while. A lot of positives to take from this game, wasn't there? Yeah, definitely. I
2: mean, uh, obviously, you know, the old uh, Taylor Charters, you know, just absolutely fantastic sort of full debut. I mean, with, with Mellish, I feel, you know... I've heard sort of the Claude McAlealy role is a thing in football. And I feel the John Mellish role is also a thing in football. Just being a nuisance, basically. Yeah, just being a nuisance and just getting in the box. And just just sort of, even if he's had a quiet game, you know that whoever's been marking him comes off that pitch knowing that they've been in a game of football. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And t- Taylor Charters, he, he's, he had a lot of Mellish's sort of Characteristics in in his game, and he was unlucky not to score. And he reminded me of Mellish at the start of the season, where he, he he was getting in the right places, but he just couldn't put it in the net. But that that assist as well for for the first goal that was fantastic. Because a lot of young lads would have just lashed you know it, yeah. been that that close to goal, they'd just sort of lashed it. But he just coolly laid it off to uh, to Amari, and and it's a goal. Well, I'd argue his pass
0: for the second goal was even better as well to, to Riley yeah. on the right because he, he weighted it just perfectly because I think as he he actually said in his interviews, if he'd hit it a bit more powerfully, the defender probably would have backed off and yeah, just yeah. blocked Riley at the cross instead. But he did it just enough to tempt the defender to think, oh, I could probably nick this, mm. but just enough that he couldn't actually nick it. So fair play to the lad. you know like, I, I totally agree with you. And, um slotted into the Mellish wall very well he's kind of a bit more refined Mellish isn't he he's, he's probably a little yeah. bit better on the ball a little bit better of a passer not quite as physical yeah. but for a young lad he's, he's a good size You know, he's clearly yeah. worked on that and... I,
2: mean, I mean you say not quite as physical but there was a moment uh, I can't remember what, even what half it was in now when he sort of got shoulder to shoulder with the uh, Walsall defender and he managed to just, just to sort of wriggle and get across to, to, the, to the byline with the ball and you know, he, he tried to get a in and it, it came out for a corner. But a, a lot of sort of young lads, if they go shoulder to shoulder against a football mm. league defender, you know, they just get shrugged off the ball. But he, he really sort of seemed hungry and desperate to sort of win every yeah. ball. Oh yeah, he's not just not quite as big and physical and as imposing in that sense as Melish. Oh
0: but, no, but again, in the day he's only nineteen, isn't he? So he's only going to yeah. get better, hopefully. Um. So yeah bit of a surprise that he started for Dean Furman but actually when you think about it they're very different players aren't they really so yeah, maybe not as much of a surprise as we, we made out um, got to keep his place against Orient surely
2: yeah well I mean we don't know what's going on with Mellish do we but um, yeah I mean for me yeah he's done absolutely nothing wrong there to get dropped I mean it it shows in general really just how much depth we have when yeah. you know I mean We'll come how many players, as well,
0: won't we? we we'll got a bit more depth, but yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, how many players, technically speaking, were absent for that, for that Walsall game? What, five, six? Like, I mean, Torre I mean. was out, Anderton was out. Riley. Uh, Tanner. Yeah, uh, R- Riley. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, we, we're missing that. Uh, any, any other team, you're missing that many first-team players and you struggle. But the lads who we have in all positions who have just sort of come in, done a job, they've, they've been fantastic. And Beach must have one hell of a headache
0: yeah well, well we'll go into a bit more depth about the uh, squad death uh, shortly it's one of the questions we've had submitted for today's episode um, yeah uh, so obviously that 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 result obviously means the fact that we're to- now top of League 2 got to mention it again 39 <laughs> points from 21 games so, I mean one more win if we beat Forest Green we would be sitting on average 2 points a game mm-hmm. that's how well we're doing this season um, so uh, plus 12 goal difference as well which is fantastic I haven't had goal difference that could in a long time Um Newport, that their game against inform relegation battlers Southend was called off due to the weather. So they sit in second place with 38 points from 20 games. While Forest Green Rovers, whose game against Alden was abandoned in the second half due to fog. Did you see this? Yeah, yeah. Incredible. You could not see the second Alden goal at all, could you? <laughs> no. out, fair play to the ref for trying to get that one to, to keep going, but common sense to call that one off so yeah they're in third place with 37 points for 21 games very tight in the playoffs though isn't it two points mm-hmm. separate fourth place Cheltenham on 35 from ninth place late in Orient our opponents this weekend on 33 I think mm-hmm. already played one more than most of the other teams down there as well though but um, but yeah it's really tight in there and what I'd say about Newport have got that game in hand on us but with their pitch and the way it always goes Inevitable, they probably can have a couple more called off, and they can have a fixture backlog, which
2: yeah, could exactly. cause them real problems, couldn't it? So yeah, and they've lost a few players now. They had a few knees, Um I think David's staying, isn't he? I think that, that's what I've read yeah. somewhere today. But yeah,
0: they've lost Scott Twine, mm-hmm. who's been fantastic mm-hmm. for them. So that's a real positive for us in a sense. But um, but yeah, um, let's get on to some of the talking points. Then. We've obviously we've already covered Charters in a bit of depth there. Um, Next up, when the ball hits the goal, it's not Shearer or Cole; it's Amari. Um, I have to give that one a little shout. Uh, we mentioned about a month ago, didn't we? I, I can't remember if it was me and you or me and Dan. Probably it was both of us, to be fair. Um, we mentioned the fact that Patrick was playing really well, but he really needs to start adding a few goals to his game. Mm. Well, he's certainly doing that now, isn't he? That's yeah. three and four. Really s- smart finish as well, isn't it? Fired into the top corner. He's starting to become a real talisman in this team, isn't he? And a sort of player that, we, obviously, at the weekend, we didn't have BBC Radio coming commentary because of the COVID guidelines to BBC commentators. They had to commentate from the studio, off the Ifolo feed, so Ifolo didn't pick it up. From the BBC West Midlands guys who were covering it, they all picked him out and said how well he played for us and also Charters as well. So clearly, opposition is starting to notice just how good he is.
2: Yeah, I think as well, you know, I mean, you know, I'll admit, I was saying... A few months ago, that I could only really see him as an impact sub, and he's completely changed me around. Like, I think it, uh, uh, you know, bear in mind he was coming back from injury as well, wasn't he? And yeah. He, as he's got fitter, he's just got better and better. And, you know, again, with his sort of pace and strength, like, you come off a pitch, have marked him all game. Like, you really, oh, oh, yeah. you, you, you wouldn't you know fancy about him, would you?
0: Not in the slightest. Because no. the thing is, he, He's not too bad on his left foot and he can go to the byline and put it in with his left and yeah. he cuts back in and hits it with his right. Like I say, he just must be a nightmare to defend against. Yeah. He's a lot more like that, unlike Coyote, who is more of a central striker doing a roll out wide, although he's very capable of doing it. He he can interchange a lot more with Alessandra, whereas mm. Patrick sticks to that wing quite a lot, doesn't he? And just cuts inside yeah. for the shots, so... So, yeah, I think he's been fantastic. Um, next up, case for the defence. These are This is the last one of the ones I've picked out for us to talk about. Um, there were a few concerns, weren't there, when Tanner got his injury and obviously Anton had to self-isolate, that we'd start to see a few cracks appearing in the defence, but mm. take away that balmy game against Bolton. The makeshift back four is doing pretty damn well at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> mm. <laughs> to be fair, that, that, mm. no complaints at all. I mean, Hayden's settling in really fine at right back and... It's one of those questions. Does Anderton come straight back in at the weekend or should we make him wait his chance? I mean, McDonald's done really well coming. I think McDonald's probably looked better than he did before he got in, injured when he's mm. come back in as well. So it's one of those ones. What change do you
2: make or do you make Anderton wait and fight for his place? Well, I mean, for, for me, I'd, I'd like sort of just to have the Hayden-Bennett centre-back pairing, ideally. Not that McDonald's done anything wrong, but I just feel like that centre-back pairing is just brilliant. But I mean, to do for... that, you'd, you'd have to put
0: Anderton back at and left-back. And move armor back to right back wouldn't you, and I think armor looks a lot more comfortable left back and I think he's been playing brilliantly there,
2: yeah, well, that's the thing I mean you know when everyone's fit, I honestly think that I might prefer armor at left back to Anderton, which might be a slightly controversial opinion i don't know, but like he he's just he he's he's quick and he's strong and he he can he can play the ball well with that left foot as well I mean the um The second goal against Walsall, it was him that sort of did a a driven pass sort of over their defence into Alessandra that caused a lot of problems. He he just, like, he he, he gives us something else. And I think Anderton should have to fight for his place back in the team, but with him being captain and all that, he might just, you know, get his spot straight back in the team. But, you know, it might be Anderton left back and um, Armour right back and then um, Hayden and Bennett centre-back. Yeah be a bit harsh on McDonald though, wouldn't it? Because like I said, I think, I I think he's done, done
0: really well. He? I thought he had one of his best games at the weekend against Walsall. Mm. Other than when he uh, completely took out Callum Guy with a tackle, which is a, mm. <coughs> a bit worrying, wasn't it? But um, mm. but yeah. Okay, well, I've covered the talking points I wanted to do. So these are some questions we asked, some sort of general discussion points that I asked for on the Be Justin and grief got some cracking questions in here, actually. Uh, we'll start with a little bit of a, sort of, I think a quick fire one, really. Um, Meleshoff Charters, we've both fit who should be picked from the start? that question's from Mark Whitfield. What do you thinking, Mike?
2: Well, see, I'd, I'd, say, I'd say Mellish ultimately, but one thing that Mellish is, it's quite a run and tram with him, isn't it? Is he'll pick up a silly booking and then he is quite he's less influential over the game. So mm. maybe start Mellish and if he receives that silly booking, just put Charters in. I mean, Charters got a booking. I can say in Charters got Warsaw a booking early on, didn't he? But he, was, but he was still, you know, a big part of the game. Yeah. Um, after receiving the booking, whereas Mellish sort of tails off af- after a booking, so I'd start Mellish. And I mean, so, some managers they have sort of uh, the same substitutions, don't they? Whatever the score is, bang on sixty minutes, they'll swap so and so for so and so. And I think you know maybe do that, but at the same time, you know, Mellish could run all day. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a case of him getting knackered, but you yeah, know.
0: It, it, it's an interesting one. He's had a nice little break as well, and obviously recovering from injury. We presume. I mean, there's a lot of room for transfers. I think it's absolute nonsense. I think that's mm-hmm. just some someone putting two and two together based on what guaranteed made... to leave tomorrow and Yeah, I'll put Exactly, you. putting two and two together based on what happened with Branfroy last summer, mm. last winter. It's not the same situation in the slightest. I'd agree with you. I think I'd probably start Mellish at the moment. It's an interesting point about the you know managers having regular subs. I, I think actually what this does now, now we can see that Charters is capable of playing at league level. It gives another option from the bench because previously mm. he was quite reluctant to bring players on other than the ones he always did like Riley was generally his go-to one or Toure basically were the only ones he'd bring on now he knows he can freshen things up and give Melish a little bit of a rest and mm. Bring on Charters and keep them uh, fresh for the next game.
2: Yeah, I mean, some games as well, Charters wasn't even make, making the matchday squad. Yeah. You know, he, he's been left out of the, the matchday squad. Well, well,
0: so It should be guaranteed now that either him or Dixon is going to be on the bench due yeah. to the fact that Riley has now gone, who was our academy player. He wasn't, he, so... Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, next up is a question from Grant Carey, who's one of the moderators on the Beaches Final group. He said is this the strongest squad in terms of decent swab depth we've had in year, for years even in 2016-17 we had a strong 11 but had to pad out the squad with substandard players like Tomlinson, Ward Hooper and Bailey oh god some of those names <laughs> made me shudder just thinking of them mm. I think that was Joe Chim that season as well wasn't it because that was who we spent the <laughs> yeah. the, the 10 grand we oh god can you imagine what Chris Beach would spend that 10 grand on now compared oh, to what no. Curl's spending yeah. it's one real weakness Curl could put together a strong 11 but beyond a couple of subs, it was so weak, that squad at times, mm. wasn't it? It was mm. frightening when you look at some of the plays we had and the fact that he had zero interest in the youth side of the team as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's the strongest squad other than, at, at this level, it's the strongest squad we've had since 05, 06. We had yeah, a couple definitely. of stronger squads, obviously, 07, 08, probably 10, 11, 11, 12 at League One level. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think this is the strongest squad we've had probably at this league two level at least since oh five, oh six. Definitely. I I think when you look throughout, you know, there's there's competition in pretty much every place. Bar maybe right back, but we've got players who can slot in and do a job there. So Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of talk about should, we'll get onto transfers in a minute, but should we sign a right back? I don't think we need to. I think no. I could, that'd be just a waste of a wage for bring someone in to cover a four or five weeks max. But mm. so, well, I mean
2: f- for me as well, I mean the 1617 season, while well, things were going well, I still had reservations over how many players were good enough for League One, and now I, I don't have them reservations. But there's players now who they're not necessarily the first name on the team sheet. They might sometimes be on the bench. Who I would still have in League One, you know, players yeah. like Jack Armour. You know, bear bear in mind we've been raving Kong about Taylor Guy, Charter. Reiner, yeah, yeah. Well, bear in mind, you know, we've been sort of saying that Taylor chart is brilliant, only 19. Jack Armour's the same age. <laughs> you forget that actually, don't you? Yeah, exactly. So um, even you know Farman, exactly. You know, I think he's a solid, solid keeper. There's not many who had sort of cut loose. Should we, should we go up?
0: Yeah, it's a fair point. That is quite similar to when we went up last time, isn't it? Really, there wasn't a huge amount mm. needed done. You just need to trim the edges. Really, you like your likes of your homes and your your Chris Billys and people like that. Sadly, um, i'd sort of look and move them on. I think it, if we do go up. It, probably be similar I think you'd be mm. look around the edges and pick out the bits you didn't want to keep um, yeah I agree I, I think it is the strongest squad I think like I said we, with those concerns in defence but I think those concerns have been allied totally by the last few weeks mm. and the fact that you know we've got we've been able to send someone like Hunt out on loan to get games and mm. I think with Hunt his contract's obviously up in the summer but there is an option in there I wonder if the club might say at the end of this month loan at Yeovil if you want to stay there what we'll do is we'll trigger your contract for another year and you can stay out on loan or go out on loan somewhere maybe a little bit higher go out on loan there for the rest of the season mm-hmm. and we'll have you ready to come back in the summer and challenge for a place in the team maybe mm-hmm. that's maybe one way to look at because you'd imagine with someone like Hayden there's a possibility that a big club might come in for him in the summer because yeah. he's well, playing so well I think that's fairly inevitable to be championship well, club sniffing
2: Bennett's contracts yeah. up up in the summer as yes. well, isn't it? So His you know we well. could potentially have no centre halves next year, regardless but, of what happens. I mean,
0: like I said, McDonalds I think looks a player who'd be capable of doing a job at the higher level as well. So yeah, so yeah and like I mean, midfield we've got a, an emb- embarrassment of riches actually when you look at it. Really, you've mm. got the likes of your first choice arguably is Guy Mellish and Riley, but then below that you've got Devine who's shown he can come in and do a job for Riley. You've shown mm. Charters can come in and do a job for. For Mellish, he's <laughs> saying that Furman can, can do a job for Guy. Mm. I mean, Josh Dixon's one, I think, that he's going to take a few years to develop maybe because of mm. the kind of player he is. But they clearly rate him. I imagine even if he doesn't get a huge amount of game time second half of the season, they probably want to keep him because he, he's a player maybe do better at a mm. League One level possibly. Sounds ridiculous, I know, but I just think he will. Like I said, you look at it. You've got two midfields there, basically. You've got a player to cover each position mm. in that three-man
2: midfield comfortably. Mm. That's, that's well, the way we are. Exactly. I mean, Guy for me, he's got to be the best defensive midfielder I've seen in a long, long time. If is he defensive? Made... I'd say he's box to box more than defensive. Well, I'd I'd say the only thing the th- he's missing is off... goals, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say off the three, he sort of sits the deepest and makes the most interceptions and the most tackles and, uh, and all the rest of it. But he's just absolutely class. I mean, when um you know we're thinking of Manum the match for the, uh, for the Warsaw game, he's just a solid eight, nine out of 10 every yeah. single week. And he's his own worst enemy really, because he won't win one of the match. Cause that, that's just sort of the level of performance it's that you free. expect from him now. You know, well, so, arguably
0: he was as good at it as, if not better than Charters, but because he, he mm. set that standard, you, you don't think he's playing particularly extraordinary. Do you? you just mm, that That's exactly. the way he plays. You're yeah. right. And like I said, if you're looking further in Scott death in attack, well, you've got a front free that picks itself. You've got a player in Toure who's one of the best players in the division at the start of the season and can't get in the team now. Mm. You maybe do need to add a couple of players in there possibly now that Riley's left and Ibero's gone back. You know, you're looking a little bit thin up there. But mm. he clearly rates Sam Fishburne as well because he he'd been on the bench the last couple of games. And he, he yeah. he's one that I think a lot is expected of as well because he's starting to find the net. Regularly for yeah.
2: the youth team. Well, so. and B- Bell came on as well uh, against com- Warsaw. So.
0: completely forgot about that. Well. <laughs> yeah, Lewis Bell came on and he looked lively as well. He he was harrying players and mm-hmm. you know they clearly uh, he's one they do think a lot of as well. So mm-hmm. fantastic, really, to see that. Um, so yeah, Grant, I think we covered yours one well in, de- in depth. In depth. let's move on to some of the next ones. We've got a few more to do. Cover. Um, if there's an opportunity to strengthen in, during the window, what position and player type would do you think the squad would benefit from? Uh, that question was from Luke Anderson and Dan Garlic asked a very similar question, so I've tied these into one. Um, personally, I, I just think maybe a, an attacker off two, possibly. Yeah, But bar I that, I, I, we, don't, we don't need a midfielder. I don't want to sign a right back for the sake of covering Tanner for a few weeks because by all accounts, mid-February at the latest, he's going to be back. I, there's no point in signing a player just to fill a squad place who then wouldn't be involved. Mm-hmm. for me we've shown we've got players who can fill in those roles and are more than capable of covering so no i wouldn't sign a defender i'd, I'd potentially sign Chedwin scott on one of them maybe in attack mm. that's yeah why that, I look
2: at. that's it yeah i mean there's enough competition as it is to to be yeah. honest you know uh, i think beach must have serious headaches with, with some positions like yeah definitely uh i think that was what,
0: covered that one quite quickly there mike um next up uh, is from ross parkinson and the question is What's the most ridiculous transfer rumor so far? Mine would be Nick Pope. Um, I'd probably agree with that one. I mean, just not Nick
2: know what? Pope. That would be ridiculous. Not Nick Pope. I think, you'd think
0: of Tom Pope. Tom Pope. <laughs> Getting me Pope's mixed up. I'll be saying John Paul the Second. Next one. Um, yeah, it, 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 Tom Pope was the one he said was the most ridiculous, and I'd probably agree with that one. Tom Pope's not going to leave Parville anytime soon. No. Um, my advice to anyone listening to this, right? and I don't think Ross is one of these people, don't take any notice of those Twitter accounts, the EFL mm. hubs or EFL transfer update ones on Twitter. They're talking absolute bollocks, basically. <laughs> Not None of them are saying any truths. Anytime they do get it right, they basically spotted it on one of the club message boards or someone who is in the know. I mean, they're, they're the ones pushing the John Mellish rumor, which is absolute crap as well,
2: by the way. The, the John Day rumour of a few years oh, that, ago... That, that was a belter, wasn't it? Because that force... Because Barnett did a full-on press release, didn't he? Saying, like, no, there's been no bid received <laughs> and all the rest of it. It's, it's just they're just nonsense.
0: So yeah. I'd probably I'd probably agree, yeah, the, the Tom tombo one and bar that. Just, it's just... They're not true, those rumours. They're just not. The rumour we've heard is, I think it's Brad, Brad Lyons, I think it is, from um, Blackburn's been linked. Mm. He's a midfielder, so... I don't know if maybe we'd be looking to send someone out or divines out for a bit longer than we expect. I I, I don't know with that one really, but interesting that by all accounts he's one that Beach has been watching and he's very keen to sign. Mean, so, I was going
2: to I was going to say that Lions yeah, I, mean, I was going to say that Lions would add bite into the midfield, but I'm, I'm not going to because that's just yeah.
0: Every time every time you get warned not to do them, but you do. Um I don't know. Okay, well, let's move on to the next question very swiftly now. Um uh, this one from Lee BC. Let's try and keep this one brief, Mike. Uh should Holdsworth be getting more credit for his part in building the squad this season? Maybe he should get an extra role deck or two as a re- reward, but <laughs> but yeah, look, it is a fair question actually. Um maybe he does deserve a bit more credit. I don't know. Is it a job that Nigel Clibbins could have done as equally? competently I don't know really it's it, 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 it's, it maybe it's a different role maybe Holsworth has got that knowledge as a former player and coach and manager of how players work and he he's able to link in with them well but there's no doubt he's helped build together a decent squad and yes the long term plan if there is one I'm presuming seems to have worked really in terms of starving us of cash for a long period and being a bit frugal to put us in a position where we were able to put together a decent squad now because the financial problems weren't as bad as they previously had been.
2: Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I mean, I've been more than willing to criticise Holdsworth um, sort of over the past couple of years. But, yeah, you know, we did have to be sort of tight after, you know, get rid of the sort of mess that Keith Kerr left. But then, you know, he he has built this team now. And it's, it's you know, we, we were not happy that, obviously, we missed out on Devitt in the summer. But then... Devitt was quite a sort of polar character in the dressing room, you could say, under yeah. John Sheridan. And would he have fit in with the dressing room that we've built now? And...
0: Possibly not, no. Would he fit into the team? That's the question. I think he probably would, because he's the kind of player who is quite high energy, isn't he? He would, yeah.
2: But I mean, Mellish might not have got them games True. in midfield if, if we'd assigned signed Devitt. You know, it, it makes. But sort of, mildly going off topic a little bit, but... Yeah, I, th- I think he, he does deserve credit. I think he likes to give himself more credit than maybe he deserves. Um, we're, but,
0: we're not yeah. talking about his Wikipedia page here, Mike. No. <laughs> let's, let's be fair here. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree. Maybe he does deserve a bit more credit than he gets, though. Well done, David. <laughs> okay, next one. Final question. Uh, this one's from Paul Slee. Chris Beach, why might he go to Fleetwood after they sack Joey Barton, currently top of the betting odds? So he wants us to say why we think he might go to Fleetwood. Um, I don't think he will. I, I think mm. what it is, he's someone who's done pretty well in a job and anyone who's doing well in the division below is going to get linked in those betting odds. They have a standard template of odds and generally it's based around the managers who are doing well in, in divisions below, people who've played for the club in the past who are in coaching roles, people who are current coaches at the club and then the odd utter mental one like you know Sam Allardyce and Paul Lintz in the past and... <laughs> you know, Sven-Goran Eriksson gets thrown in or something like that. So um, I don't think he's going to go there. The fact that he was pushing for Bennett to sign, if he was going to Fleetwood, you'd tell Bennett, hold off because I'm going to go there and I'll take you. Yeah, in. exactly. Who's so that? no, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think, don't read too much into it. I know it is, I know it says he's born in Blackpool, but I think he grew up in Fleetwood. And I think they are his hometown club, but I, I just can't see it. So yeah, don't worry about right?
2: it. Plus, a lot of what he was saying, to keep Bennett here, saying, you know, you want to be happy rather than on more money. I think yeah. that's how he sees it as well. So, Where, Where's the stuff. glass
0: ceiling with Fleetwood? I know they've got a bit of money behind them and fantastic facilities, but is a promotion push to the Championship is probably as far as they're going to get? If they get in the Championship, are they going to then crash and burn in the same way Yeovil did a few years ago? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, that's it then, Mike. hell of a long first part. We've got a lot to mm-hmm. cover, there. to be fair. Um, so that's the end of part one. Uh, up after the break, we'll be looking ahead to Saturday's game at Brunton Park, where Leighton Orient are going to be the visitors. <laughs> chant seems very appropriate right now, doesn't it, to use the uh, <laughs> half-time break, is not it? Fantastic to hear that. That was obviously from my little trip to Morecambe, wasn't it, about four years ago now, I think? Mm. That was round about the last time we were top of the league. God, time flies, eh? Uh, welcome mm-hmm. back, everyone. So we're into part two now. We're going to look ahead to the first home fixture of 2021 as United take on the O's. Um, now, what we're going to play first is... Um, I had a little chat uh, this afternoon with Dale from the Lowdown Leyton Orient podcast, just to talk about their season, how they've gotten over the last few years, because it's been quite a bumpy ride, I think, for Leyton Orient. It's fair to say, um, getting back into the league and other events that have happened off the pitch, some sad events, obviously. <clears throat> um, so I sat down with Dale for about ten minutes. and had a little crack with him and seen how they're getting on the season and how he expects the game to go this weekend. So uh, listen to that one now and enjoy it. Okay, so uh, we did this recently with the uh, Forest Green game. We did a little uh, preview sort of clip where we talked to a fan from an opposition podcast about the game, uh, looking ahead to it. And this time for the Orient game, we're joined by Dale from the Lowdown podcast. Dale, how's it going? afternoon yes yes very well here how about yourself yeah not too bad i mean it's just, <laughs> it's as good as it can be in the current circumstance i suppose and <laughs> like i said to you before uh enjoying it up up here at the top at the moment uh how long that'll last hopefully for a while but we'll have to see um so yeah let's look into this weekend's game dale um interesting game this one because i've been sort of looking at the fixtures coming up and this is one that i sort of looked at and thought might not be the easiest game this one because you guys have, your forms are a little bit patchy at times, but you've, you've done all right this season, haven't you? Yeah, I
1: say it's, it's been an interesting season because um, it definitely is patchy in places. Um, but when we kind of get ahead of steam, we seem to be able to put forward a couple of performances. Um, and obviously, the, the last couple over this Christmas period, it looked like it was going to be a tough period for us. But um, two clean sheets against Southend and Salford have kind of put us in a bit more of an optimistic mood.
0: Yeah, I think normally you'd look at that Southwind game and think it was a gimme, wouldn't you? But the way they've picked up form recently, actually, it's it's not a bad result is it really when you when you look at things.
1: Yeah, I think the um obviously it being a bit of a derby, um, so that's you know, that's always thrown on top of it. Um and it was a bit of a worry that they're starting to come into a form and them coming up against us in the derby match. Um, in reality, it could have been a lot more than two nil. Um, that was probably the most dominating I've seen us be this season. Um, but it's because for them, you know, it's it has been a tough period. They've had a they've got, only got a small squad, and I think it was too many games in a short period of time. Um, so I think we hit them at the right time. To be fair.
0: Yeah. This is, I think, the second season back in the league for for the O's now, isn't it? I think. And how, yeah. how how have you found? How do you think you guys have found it in the last couple of years? I mean, last season was a bit of a, a tough one, wasn't it, with what happened with Justin Edinburgh sadly passing away. So it's it's been sort of a bit of time for adjustment, really, hasn't it, for the O's?
1: Exactly. Yeah, the first season was was hard on on all accounts. Obviously, um, the stuff that happened with with Justin's passing, um, and also you know the promotion. We we didn't have a, a side that was ready and we didn't get the time to properly rebuild. Um, so, you know, it was it was a lot of staying safe. That season was was the most important thing um, since then. You know, we've we've kind of brought in a few. We've still got remnants of that National League side, which which does, you know, let us down at times. Um, but overall, you know, I think it's it's a lot more positive this year. I think coming into the league, um, the the one thing that you kind of realise happens is the fact that people take their chances more. Um, yeah. I think that there's a you know there's a lot of um, it, it's a lot better quality, and you get punished a lot easier than you would have done in the national league. Um, I do think that we have you know in reality we still see ourselves as a league one side, um, so you know we've kind of we've settled. Was settled as we would expect to um, and I think there's still a few fans that are, you know, annoyed with how long the rebuild's taken but, you know, the, the rebuild needed to happen because of what happened with the, the Italian owners.
0: Yes, I remember that spell. Um, I, I know exactly what you mean with that because I, I think I'm probably going to get shot down on Twitter for this but I think some of our fans are incredibly unrealistic as well about <laughs> our situation and some of them are convinced we should be a championship club and if you look at our history we've only spent a short spell of our time in that Division, but there you go. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it has been a bit of a, a long slog, hasn't it, for you guys to, to rebuild things. I mean, this season coming into it, you—I um, think it was Ross Embleton was given the job full time, wasn't he? I think after last season, a brief spell with uh, someone else in charge. Um, how do you think he's doing as boss?
1: Yeah, so um, it's, this is one that will completely divide Twitter. <laughs> um, I think that there's a lot of people that would have preferred a a bigger name to have come in someone more established. Um, But, you know, with, with the way that we're doing it at the moment and, and with the, the team that he has got and he has assembled, he he's doing a decent enough job. Um, I do think that there are times when you could see that we would be able to, to push on a bit more, um, and he's still learning his role, but I, you know, I think so, for the first time in you know this this kind of setting he's he's not doing a bad job at all um and I do think that when you look at the squad that he's got it's it's probably mid table and and that's probably where we'll be at the end of the season
0: yeah, I I was looking through the squad before we recorded today, and it, it, it's kind kind of like ours in a sense that there's no real star men that stand out in those so obviously you've got um is it Johnson up front, isn't it, who's scoring all the yeah. goals this season? He seems to be hitting quite a purple patch. Um, and yeah. I know in goal, you've got a very good goalkeeper. Um, but who are the sort of the danger men do you reckon that we need to watch out for in this game?
1: Yeah, so I think the, the number one that's come through this season and is really showing what he can do is Connor Wilkinson, um, who's playing out on the out wide on the right. Um, and he's kind of linking up with Johnson very well. Um, I think before the start of the season we kind of looked at it ourselves and kind of said, there's potentially a lot of goals in this side, but the problem is a lot of these people are potentials. Yeah. Um, so Lee Angol, you know, if he, if he hit the ground running, would score goals, but it doesn't seem as if he's hit. Um, Louis, uh, Louis Dennis is another one that potentially on paper should score a lot of goals, but, you know, it's just not kind of working. Um, so I think that Danny Johnson is the the obvious one. Um and Danny Johnson has been absolutely amazing. I think there was a stat a couple of weeks ago that if you took away his goals, we'd only have 15 points or something like that. Obviously, there'd be other people to yeah. to score them, but you know, he's to to already be on 17 is uh, is impressive, and uh, that's the one thing that I'm worried about in January. I think uh, the, you know the January window could just stay sharp
0: that'd be perfect <laughs> I, th- I think we're sitting around i think we'll be we, we ha- quite happy if we kept our squad together for now um obviously speaking about ourselves about Carla what, what what's your thoughts on us this season what you've seen of us obviously you've got probably already from highlight clips and stuff like that and but are, are you a bit surprised at how well we're doing because i think we are as well
1: <laughs> yeah i say it was um it was interesting though because obviously you look, you kind of look at the the stats when um beach first came in and you were down at the bottom of the twenty-first, weren't you, in, yeah. in the league? And then obviously the the season got quite short and everything like that. But then, yeah, this season it just looks as if you've uh, you've definitely turned a leaf, and he seems to be doing a, a great job there. Um, and as I say, I think it's it's never it's never a nice one to to go up to Carlisle. At least it's not a Tuesday night for once. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's it's going to be a tough game, um, and I can't is getting much more than a point
0: if that up there yeah have you got any sort of memories of coming up to Carl the games have you been up before or have you is it one you've never done
1: it's it's one i've never done oh. um as i say it's unfortunately You're out. it's yeah yeah No, it's one that i would like to do um but i do think a, a couple of the seasons they have been tuesday nights and uh, yeah. it's just <laughs> that doesn't sound like something that uh doesn't sound that appealing but no it is somewhere that i definitely want to get and i think talking about you know the the pandemic i definitely think that it's it's put a lot of things in perspective in regards to you missed football don't you I know you can actually watch you can actually watch more games than you've ever watched before because everything's streamed so you're streaming home and away you're streaming the cups you're streaming everything but it's not the same the worst part no, the worst part of a football day is the 90 minutes of football, isn't it? Oh, the yeah. whole idea is the, uh, <laughs> you know it's the, the experience of going out and meeting new people and, and going to new places. Um, so yeah, no, it's definitely on the list, and uh, Carlisle, well. Probably not next year if you get promoted, but <laughs> when we meet again, I'm sure
0: I'll yeah, come up. Yeah, it's interesting to say that, Matt. It is all about the day, isn't it? And I've sent saying to you before, so we recorded a bit for your podcast. I, I actually, Laying on it's one of my favourite away days. It genuinely is. If you take away the Northwest ones, because the Northwest ones, we generally get quite big away followings. We get bigger away followings for the London games because we've got quite a strong London branch. Because a lot of people yeah. move away from Cumbria to London for work and that kind of thing. So it's always one. I think it's the coaching horses always go there for a drink before the games and there's a few other pubs as well. And it just, it it feels like a good old-fashioned football league away day, doesn't it? It doesn't, the ground's not a million miles away from the the centre of the town and things like that. It's, yeah, Yeah. it's gutting that, I mean, I I live in that little bit of hope that fans might be allowed to the game because it's the second last game of the season. But with the way things have gone in the last week, I I think the chances of that are, are sailing away quite quickly and, we have been incredibly lucky, Carl, that we've been able to go to a few games this season. So I've been to five games, obviously, with the test event we had in September and the four games we've had live over the last few weeks. So it's kind of more gutting there when it's been taken away. Yeah, that's <laughs> You've enjoyed thing, it? it. So
1: Yeah, we, we, managed, we managed two games. So we managed a, a Papa John's trophy and then a league game. <laughs> Um, and then it was taken apart, for, uh, taken away from us again. So it, you know, it's it's the hope that
0: kills you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. P- pandemic or no pandemic, you would never catch me going to a Papa John game anytime soon. <laughs> we on this on this podcast, we're very staunchly against that competition, which is sad because, as you probably know, Carl have got an incredible record in the competition in its past. Guys, we had been to the final six times, won it twice. So yeah, it's one of those ones, isn't it? Um, I'll finish up now because I'll let you get on with your day, Dale. I'm sure you're busy. Um, predictions for the game, then. Obviously, I think you sort of hinted at it there, haven't you? But you're not really expecting much from this game, are you? No, no. I think um, there's there's two types
1: of of Orient fans: um, optimists and myself. Um, yeah, no. I think um, I would take. I'd definitely take a point. Um, I do think that you know we've we've got a solid foundation over the last couple of games. We've brought in. Um, we've got a young lad on loan from west ham um Akinola um and since he's come into the back four it does seem to have shored up a bit more um and since then he's you know he's, he's kept the two the two clean sheets in the last two games um so i'd i'd like to think that we we wouldn't concede that many if we concede at all um so if we can sneak a 1-0 that'd be perfect <laughs> Um but i think I'm going to stick my name out at my neck out and just say 1-0
0: Dale, thank you for joining me. Really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll get to uh, catch up in person at some point, maybe when uh, when fans are allowed back at games.
1: Yeah, perfect. Look forward to it, Lee. Thanks very much for your time. Cheers.
0: Okay, there you go. That's our little chat with Dale. Thanks, Dale, for joining us on the podcast today. Um, I actually joined Dale and... Uh, I can't remember the name of the other guy. That's really bad, isn't it? Um, Dale and the other guy from the Lowdown podcast uh, as well. Before that, we had a little chat. So that will be featured on their pod. Uh, we'll retweet a link to it so you can... Uh, See what we discussed in that one. Um, yeah, uh, so United taking on Orient this weekend. Um, it's on Saturday. It's at one pm kickoff. This got switched. I think you're not very happy about this, are you, Mike? Because I think you've arranged something at the same time, haven't you? Yeah,
2: and then it literally got announced about an hour after <laughs> I had a, a booked an appointment to see the physio. But you know, it's one <laughs> of them things.
0: You'd have to set up your mobile and just do it while you're getting a rub down or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, so obviously we're taking on Orienter. Uh, the referee. We, they haven't published the full EFL uh, appointments for this weekend yet. But someone on Twitter did post that apparently the referee for this weekend's game is Trevor Kettle. Now, that's a name that quite often sends fear in, down the spines of football league fans. Um, mm. But I was thinking about this. I can't remember a bad game Trevor Kettle has had. Oh, you've said it Yes, I've put the curse on it. There you go. <laughs> Let's have a referee stinker this weekend. Touchwood, we don't get that. Um, but yeah, I was having a look back, and I can't actually find a like. I know he's he's hated by a lot of fans for some of the performances he's had of other clubs, but I can't find him having a bad game for us. Genuinely, I was really struggling searching through the records, and I just couldn't. So uh, he's based down south though, so the chances that he only referees us once a season max usually. Mm. So chances are, I, don't, I can't even find the last time he refereed a game at Brunton Park. That's, that's how far north he comes generally. Um, mm-hmm. Last time he refereed us was the FA Cup tie at uh, Forest Green last season, the 2-2 draw, where Nathan Thomas got his customary goals against them. Let's go on to history and facts then, Mike. Um, so, Leighton Orient were originally formed by members of the Glynn Cricket Club in 1881, many of whom were former students of the independent college, Homerton, in nearby Hackney. The Homerton College is now in Cambridge, apparently. I don't know if it's part of the university, but There you go. Um, An annual fixture is still held between the club and the college. Um, We've talked in recent weeks about clubs changing their names throughout their history, but few clubs have done it more than the O's, have they? Mm. (laughs) And more recently as well, to be fair. So originally the club was named Eagle Cricket Club in 1886 and then was named as Orient Football Club in 1888. Uh, The choice of the name Orient came about at the behest of one of their players, Jack R. Deering, who was an employee of the Orient Steam Navigation Company, which later became part of P&O, which is Peninsula and Oriental. Well, I didn't know that. It's interesting, in no. fact, that one. Um, the name was changed, uh, again, to Clapton Orient in 1898 in a cynical attempt to gain support from the more affluent neighboring area. Um, though there was already a Clapton FC at <laughs> that time, so it was a bit cheeky, that, really. Um, it's similar in the way that, obviously, Woolwich Arsenal moved, didn't they, to because they were South London, weren't they? South of the River yeah, Thames. Yeah. And they moved into an area near where Tottenham were to try and get more yeah. affluent fans into the club. Yeah, so they changed the name to Leighton Orient after the Second World War, and the name was changed again to just Orient FC in 1966, only switching back to the current name of Leighton Orient in 1987. So they've, they've had a fair few names down the years, haven't they? <laughs> it's fair mm-hmm. to say. Um, traditionally, I think, when you think of Leighton Orient, what colours do you associate with them, Mike?
2: Red and white, really? Yeah,
0: with a bit of black maybe for the shorts, that kind of mm. thing, don't you? I think famously we always think of that Croatia-style checkerboard kit, don't you? Mm. They used to have. Well, interestingly, they played in blue and white after the Second World War up until 1967 when the name obviously changed to Orient FC. So not that long. In fact, when they played in the top flight, we'll get into in a minute, they played in blue and white. <laughs> That's hmm. so an interesting one, that. Um, yeah, they started out in the Southern Leagues, but quickly joined the Football League Second Division in 1905. Their greatest achievement was promotion to the First Division in 1962. But like United, they spent just one season in the top flight. the six clubs that hold that record. That's Glossop North End, Leyton Orient, Northampton Town, Cal United, Swindon Town, and of course, Barnsley. They spent most of their existence playing at Brisbane Road, currently referred to as the Breyer Group Stadium for sponsorship pur- purposes. But... They were one of three clubs that sh- to show an interest in moving to the Olympic Stadium, weren't they, after the 2012 Olympic Games? It was them, West Ham, and was it Spurs, I think, was the one, before they got the permission to build their new ground, mm. possibly? Um, no, despite yeah, being so. the nearest club to the ground, their bid was seen as unrealistic, and it went to West Ham instead. They put a few appeals in against this, and I think they tried to take it to court, but yeah, there, was yeah. a, there was an out-of-court settlement, I think, agreed with uh, the Premier League and there was like a non-disclosure agreement so they can't say exactly what was agreed in this sort of thing so they got a, a bit of a payout probably not a massive one but but there you go. They spent a large chunk of the last 20 years at League One level actually but uh, in 2017 under their Italian ownership the club turned into a bit of a shambles didn't it? Uh, on and off the pitch and they ended up being relegated to the National League in 2017 after 112 years as a football club. And one of their managers at that point was a guy called uh, Fabio Liverana um he's just been sacked today as the Parma manager and <laughs> hmm. mad at that isn't he? he was managing them mm. in the league too. but uh but yeah he's, he's quite a well known manager in Italy but um...
2: I, I remember when they got relegated um i think didn't they have like Andrea De who used to play for Liverpool on like yes 20 grand a week or something something
0: insane, insane like that and uh, the, the, the club was sold i think after they got relegated to um uh, I think he's a guy called something Travis. I can't remember his first name is, but he's actually the uh, president or chairman of the Dunkin' Group, as in Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Yep, so they spent just two seasons in the National League before they were promoted back into the Football League under the stewardship of Justin Edinburgh. But sadly, he didn't get the chance to lead them into the first campaign back in the EFL because he died of a heart attack that summer, didn't he? Um, mm. He was out, I think, in Spain, wasn't he, covering the Liverpool Spurs Champions League final because um, he will see a former Spurs player, a bit of Spurs legend. Um, I think for like TV he was doing stuff out there and I think it he, he was either when he was out there or when he got back that it happened, sadly. Celebrity fans, a um, couple here, a couple of decent ones actually. Comedian and former host of Win, Lose or Draw and In Bed with Medina. You're probably a bit too young to remember In Bed with Medina, yeah. Mike. <laughs> and it was a classic late night ITV program when they used to just put, they basically used to, in, back in the day, before you had like, you know, those casino programs they put on all night or just repeats of films and stuff. They used mm. to put some absolutely mental TV programs on late at night. I can't remember if this was ATV or Channel 4. It was one of the two. But In Bed With Me Dinner was just, it was it was brilliant TV. Really, really good. But it was one of those things that was never going to last forever. It was only going to be on for a couple of years and like that, and then it was gone. But it was brilliant TV. Because Bob Mills is the guy I was talking about, by the way, there. Um, he's, he's quite well known, probably the best known Orient fan out there, really he goes every game. Uh, he's a regular on fighting talk on Five Live as well. Very funny guy. Uh, and the other two is the Lloyd Webber brothers. I'm not a big fan of them, so yeah. <laughs> let's move on. I'm sure Andrew's not often that often down Brisbane Road anyway. Head-to-head record, uh, pretty tight. We're just ahead. 22 games won, 14 games drawn and 20 games lost. Uh, we haven't lost in our last five league fixtures against the O's, but prior to that... We lost four in a row, including a 5-1 defeat on the opening day of the 2013-14 season. Remember that game? Yeah. Um, Lee Miller was sent off for apparently throwing a player onto the concrete bit on the edge of the pitch. I don't think it was intentional when you look back at it, but that sort of ruined that game for us and we just never really recovered after that. Yeah, so last time we met, also due to the season ending early, we didn't get to play the home fixture against Orient last season. So our last game against them... We came back in October 2019 where the two sides played out a 1-1 draw. The O's goal coming from the spot with Jack Idell scoring a second-half equaliser. Did you go to this one, Mike? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah,
2: I was there. We got yeah. stranded on
0: the train on the way back. Yes, hours we then. did. God, I completely forgot about that. I remember that we had Johnny messaging us, didn't we? Uh, taking absolute delight in the fact that we were stuck on a... It wasn't actually too cold, was it? The heating team was almost. not I think we were stuck at Tamworth because of flooding near Crewe, I think it was. And yeah. We had a couple of... Um, Aust- I think they were the Austrian Liverpool fans weren't they yeah. We were sat on the train because I had my tablet with me and I had 4G signals so we were sat watching matches of the day that's how late the train was we were still at Tamworth on the way back to Liverpool um, and I, I used yeah. my
2: advanced German to say to them oh the trains are better in Germany then yeah and they said we're, f- we're from Austria and <laughs> you were just like that's <laughs> the end of that conversation then cheers guys but
0: there you go because they were going to the Liverpool game the next day weren't they but uh, yeah but there you go. So yeah, that was that was a cracking day out, that wasn't it? I, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. later It is probably one of my favourite away days in in the league. Yeah, it's just good. You can you can basically get yourself down into central London. You know, head out towards the east, head up to the coaching horses, have a pint there beforehand, and, and,
2: well, and the, the, the people with them flats in the, in the corner of their ground must be buzzing with these behind closed doors matches. Oh, they're 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 they... to watch them exactly yeah it's just great great luck for them isn't it um, yeah.
0: yeah I think we we kind of expected didn't we that they're had a fairly quite summer later on and we thought, sort of thought, mid tables probably they've got a solid enough squad they weren't going to be in danger arguably
2: they've probably slightly overperformed so far this season would you say yeah well Danny Johnson has just been absolutely banging a in it hasn't he he's just uh, I don't know who saw that coming you know because reading up his CV I mean He started at Real Mercier's B-team in Spain and then he went to Harrogate, played twice, didn't score, and then he went to Billingham, Synthonia, Guysborough Town, and then he got a big move because he scored 51 in 48 for Guysborough Town, so that's very good. But then he got his big move to Cardiff, didn't even play, had uh, loan spells at Tranmere and Stevenage, played four games for each of them, didn't score. And he's been to Gateshead, Motherwell, and Dundee, and signed for Leighton Orient. And he's he's just been absolutely banging him in this season. I think he's averaged a goal every um, game and a half, like exactly, like every 130 odd minutes. So he's, um, I think he's sort of the the real key for their success this season. Yeah,
0: he's done fantastically. Like I said, totally unexpected how well he's done, but um, really taking his chance in the O's team. Um... Yeah, so they, they currently find themselves in ninth place in the division on thirty-three points with a record of played twenty-two. They've won ten, drawn three, lost nine. They've scored thirty-two goals, they've conceded twenty-six, and they've got a plus-six goal difference. No team has lost as many games as the O's in the top half, but only United and Newport have won more games. So mm. they don't draw many, but but they, you know, they, they they've won a fair few as well, which is what's pushed them right up mm. into a contention for a playoff place, isn't it? It's mm. a quite remarkable what I've done in terms of that. Their current form's not too bad. They're sort of mid-table in the form table of the last six games, so they've won three and lost three. Um, last time out, they picked up a 1-0 win over big spending Salford City, following on from a 2-0 derby win over a much-improved Southend United. Prior to that, they'd lost three games in a row by a 2-1 scoreline. Uh, let's get onto their manager, Ross Embleton. I mean, there can't have been many managers in the EFL who've had the emotional rollercoaster that Embleton has had over the last few years, really, can there, Mike, in terms of what's happened to him and his career as a as a coach mm. and a manager, really. So, obviously, he's been part of the O's coaching staff for quite a while. I think he had spells at um, Spurs as well, possibly, and Swindon, I think, yeah, jobs working there. Um, became part of the O's set-up uh, a while back, and then um, he had a brief spell as a caretaker in 2017, but then he was part of the coaching staff with uh, Justin Edinburgh, that got the team uh, back into the league obviously he expected to be assisting Edinburgh in the league until his friend's sad passing um, he was put in temporary charge and despite a solid enough start he was replaced by Carl Fletcher's manager I think Carl Fletcher one of his first games in charge possibly was against us I seem to remember I think he was in charge by then know. Fletcher's reign was very short lived very as in 29 days without a win <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and Embleton was put in temporary charge again before he was given the job on a full time basis in January last year Um With a squad that hasn't really been vastly added to since their non-league days, he's done a pretty good job, hasn't he, keeping them up at the right end of the table, I'd say. Mm. Yeah, because you look at it, there's no real stand-up players you think they've added plays thinking, oh, that's real top football league quality there. They've just kept together a solid squad and just settled themselves in the football league, really. That's what they've done. So, yeah, fair play to him. Um, Like we said there, not, not a squad packed with names you might know. Many players, obviously, still from that National League time. They rely quite heavily on cast offs from Premier League clubs, don't they? Really? That's generally the way they've they've always worked down the years. They've they've been quite good at doing picking up plays from Spurs and Arsenal and for West mm. Ham in particular. Those three seem to be the ones that they got a lot of signings from. Um in terms of the squad picking out some of the key men, I mean one that stood out straight away to me is the goalkeeper, uh Lawrence Vigoro, Um ex-spurs and Liverpool youngsters and he had a spell at Swindon. I think he had a bit Mm. of a dodgy time at Swindon for a short while, didn't they? Um, From there, he had a few sort of loan spells out. Um, He then had what I could only describe as a a very interesting spell. He went to Chile. He's got Chile nationality, Chilean nationality. So I'm not sure if that's a family thing, maybe from his mum or his dad or his grandparents, but he had a short spell with, I think it's Everton in Chile. So... An interesting one that you can you can argue he's played for both Liverpool and Everton, <laughs> funny enough, but uh, <laughs> no, not not the same one. Um, but yeah, obviously he spent a season in Chile, returned to Orient in uh, to London, England. Sorry, in the summer signed for Orient, and by all accounts he's been one of their star players this season. So fair play to him. Uh, in terms of defence, the guys from the uh, Lowdown podcast did mention Tunji Akinola who's on loan from West Ham as being a key signing for them in recent weeks. He's done really well. Um, midfield, Josh Wright, he, he's a player who knows the Football League well he was had a long time at Millwall didn't he I think uh, but up front yeah. obviously the one out you mentioned Denny Johnson there but um, I think it's Connor Wilkinson apparently has done really well for them in recent weeks and you, you've got to mention 78 year old Joby McAnuff and the job yeah. he's done for them really, <laughs> isn't he he's 39. Yeah, exactly. he's 39 really but there was a brilliant clip they put on Twitter the week later on if you want to go and dig it out go and have a look for it uh, where I think a ball's played over the top towards sort of the corner flag. And it's one of those pitch side cameras low down right by the corner flag. And he's got a running start on like a 23 year old defender and he just burns past him to get mm. to the ball. And you think you're 39 man, <laughs> relax, but he's mm. their captain. And it, it, like I said, he's been a key player for them recently. He's got a brilliant free kick for them. I think, I think against Southend possibly it was, but he's, he's big, big play for them. Um, no ex-United players in their squad, and I don't think there's any XOs in Carlisle's squad, is there? I've had a look, quick look through, but I'm not... I've probably missed someone. Someone's going to point it out to me, but quick look for our squad doesn't suggest there are any ex-Orient players in there.
2: No. I'm but I was, look, I was looking as well, and um, Leighton Orient have three players who were in the top 25 assisters in the division, whereas we actually
0: yeah. only have one. Well, we, we spread it around, though, don't we, really? I spread yeah. it in that sense. so you know, Quite often, we get ones where it's a long throw in and someone... One of the opposition players is flicked on, so they don't count those as assists, do they? Mm. I know you do in your (laughs) calculator, but there you go. Um, Let's go on team news then, right quickly. Um, We're recording this earlier, so this might be out of date. Beach may update before the weekend in terms of who's available. So, John Millish possibly still a doubt with the knock he picked up after the Bolton game. Um, We're expecting Nick Anderton should return after his self isolation, shouldn't he? Gimmy Toure should be back as well. He had a little trip back to France. I, I have to say, we, we haven't touched on this yet, but I think this is excellent management by Beach in terms of mm. dealing with a player because he explained it, didn't he? I think after the Walsall game with Toure that in normal circumstances, Toure obviously he's got a flat in the city. I think obviously we've mentioned before he's many the trips where Dan's seen him out and about uh, doing his shop. Um, he's alone, isn't he? Hasn't, I don't if he's got a partner over or anything like that. Mm. Um he's you can't mix with other people really because obviously they've got their own bubbles away from football the other players mm. so he's been feeling quite lonely I think by all accounts so I think Beach is a sort of it's a sympathy is the one compassionate wasn't it really it's compassionate leave he was given basically saying go back to France see your family for Christmas you know and just you know enjoy it and build your your happiness up almost really isn't that that's the best mm. way to put it, isn't it and hopefully it's made a big difference for him because you know you don't want to see a player unhappy and he seems to be really positive about being in a club. He doesn't seem to want to away or anything like that. There's no suggestion at all of that. I saw mm. that he was liking a couple of posts about Bennett signing and things like that. So he's clearly happy here. He just maybe needed something to give him that little bit of a confidence boost and a lift. And fair play to Beach for doing that because some managers wouldn't do that, would they? They'd, yeah. they'd tell him, you know, you've got to deal with it. But the current circumstance, you've, you've got to be a bit sympathetic to people, haven't you? in terms of stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Um,
2: it's not like we missed him over the past couple of games. Oh, isn't it?
0: He's going to have a bit of a job getting back in the team. Yeah. Especially as Brennan Dickinson finally made his debut against Walsall. That's another oh. positive we could take from that game. Um, Beach has obviously sort of explained the fact that we're supposed to play a bounce game against Blackburn, but that obviously had to get cancelled with the current restrictions back in place in terms of moving between tier areas. So he's basically said that Dickinson's going to have to build up his fitness in the first team games, mm. just just the way it is. And he was a bit unlucky. He got a free kick given against him where he, he looked like he cleanly won the ball fine. He mm. I mean, was well to hit the trigger, wasn't he, and have his shot. So just rotten luck, that not it? But great, great to have him as a, another option up front. Um, Ethan Walker's started full contact training, I think, with Preston now. Continue continues his recovery down there at the moment. I think they're sort of keeping him for a little bit just to see whether they potentially use him in a couple of games. Um mm. So it'll be interested to see what happens there. It might be one of those ones where they wait until the end of the tr- the window and then if they feel like he's not going to get into their team or do enough there, they'll probably send him back out on loan. I think them signing Chad Evans as well might make a little bit of a difference in terms of pushing him a bit further down the pecking order again. Mm. Um, and also you mentioned that Danny Devine's his recovery after a knee-op. Um, let's do some predictions then, Mike. We'll start with the the Leyton Orient game. What what's your thoughts? I'm
2: going to go 3-0 Carlo you go yeah, uh, on and I, I'm going to go Taylor Charters will get his first goal for the club Bennett will score and I'll go for Patrick as well
0: you know what I'm going to go 3-1 I think we'll concede one but I think I agree with you I think we'll get a three. Um I agree with you I think Charters will get his first goal um, I think Dickinson will come on as a sub and get a goal later on and uh, I, I agree with you Patrick's going to keep his scoring streak up and get uh, another one as well so there you go and uh, the Harrogate
2: game what do you reckon for that? Um, well, ooh, uh, so soon after the Orient game, I reckon we'll only win it two nil. Um, and uh, I'll go for Hayden, and I'll go for Joe Raleigh as well. Why not? Oh, there you go. um, I'm, I'm gonna,
0: I'm gonna agree with you man. I think we'll win it two 0 I think, I think that game that was called off and conceded so early in it be a bit of a wake up call in terms of what we do for this game. And um, mm. yeah, I think in terms of goals, I think Bennett will get his. Uh, scoring a boots back on and oh, why not Toure? Toure's going to come on as a sub and he's going to get his first goal in that game give him another confidence lift that's what we want to see spread the goals about there you yeah. go I've gone for five different scorers over the uh, two games <laughs> probably be both nil nil now I've said that so, uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah it's a good opportunity this weekend isn't it really because I think both Newport and Forest Green are playing due to FA Cup games I don't know if mm. they're both playing all their game opponents are playing in the FA Cup but a really good chance to just build a little bit of a gap up isn't it That's the yeah, key thing. Hopefully. pull the pressure on them and say right you have your games in hand but we've got our points in ours so what are you going to mm-hmm. do about it that's what we've got to do okay X-Files that's the final section Mike coming up um, we're not going to cover the goal score because it, there's about three or four games and games have been called off and genuinely it would just take forever to, to run through a few of them I think there was a few interesting ones Dan might want to pick them up next week possibly I think Macaulay Gillespie Scored in Australia for Brisbane Raw. I think it's their first game of the season. I think you're man of the match in that, so uh, that's fantastic to see. Well done, Macaulay. Um Let's just look at some uh, sort of transfery sort of stuff because the transfer windows open now. We'll st- we'll we'll leave the the main one to last because we'll probably discuss that a bit more in depth. But um, a couple here. I see Joe Garner's completed his move to Apoel Nicosia. Um, do you think he might be regretting that now, Mike? Because uh, the man who took him there, Mick McCarthy. Uh, he's been sacked. <laughs> mm. Just a just a what's it? A
2: couple of months after taking the job. Uh, well, you know he's in Cyprus, isn't he? When yeah. you know a lot of us would would like a holiday. Uh, so you know, will he be that bothered? He's prob- I think he's, he's probably on silly money there as well, to be honest. And after uh, did, did he get? Yeah, I think there was a mutual termination of his yeah, contract. Yeah, we, can let, we, can- we can let him go basically. So, a deal on I think. So. Yeah, so he'll have got a bit of money from that. So. You know, he's he's in the sort of his, his twilight years now, isn't he? You know, he was just a, mm. a young teenager for us, but um, it might just sort of build up his uh, coffers for his re- retirement now.
0: You say twilight? I he's only at thirty-two, maybe thirty-three. One hundred percent on that yeah. one. He was he's yeah. eighteen when he signed for us originally, wasn't he? So mm. I'd imagine, he, yeah, he'd only be about thirty potentially. Actually, I'm thinking off the top of my head, there isn't he? Yeah, he's only thirty, so not as old as you think. There you <laughs> go. Um, Okay, the uh, next one, Jared Branthwaite has been linked with a loan move away from Everton. He's been on their bench for the last three games, actually, so he's got his fitness back and got a place back on the bench, finally, but he's been linked with a loan move to Blackburn Rovers. I think it'd be actually quite a smart move for him, this one. I think it would work quite well. What do you reckon?
2: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think there's a another lad, like, young lad at Everton that they paid money for before him. Oh, is it Godfrey, uh, I think? Was it ben Godfrey? Godfrey, yeah. yeah. Um, who's been getting games at right back because Coleman's injured there, so... Mm-hmm um and I think Branfelt was unlucky because he got inj- he was injured at the same time as injury Yeah, him, couldn't yeah. take the place so uh but yeah I think it, it would be good for him to be sort of playing league football and keeping his his foot in the door there really uh, yeah. he he by no means just disgraced himself when he got called up into Everton's yeah. team but it just hasn't happened for him this yeah. season yeah us
0: do the last one then Mike Harry McCurdy uh he's been told he can leave Port Vale but that could be up in the air because the man who obviously told him he could go, John Askey, has, uh, has now been sacked by Paul Vale, hasn't he? Mm. A few managerial departures in the last few weeks, hasn't there? And yeah. Holloway leaving um, Grimsby as well. Um, yeah, it's an interesting...
1: Inch-
0: if ever there was a sign of a waste of a talent, this lad would be it, wouldn't it? Because mm. the other day I saw someone say it was one year to the day since we played that, those FA Cup games against Cardiff. And he was brilliant in both of those games. He, mm. he, you know, he was absolutely terrorising a, a championship right back for most of the game in those matches. And here he is, being let go by a club that's struggling to, down the bottom end of League 2, after being our top scorer last season. There's a mm-hmm. serious attitude problem there, isn't that? That's mm-hmm. the problem. And you think year on since we last won at Walsh and that 2-1 win where our friend Johnny was very excited about a pub that sold curries. He wouldn't shut, <laughs> up around, shut up about it and still won't shut up about it. Dropping that in because I know he listens and he'll, he'll, he'll love it to get a nice shout out. <laughs> but yeah, McCurdy, I just, I just don't get it. Would he rather just be a professional Chelsea fan?
2: Yeah. Is that uh, all he'd rather be? I, because that's I all I he's had into he Stafford well, Rangers before you know it. Yeah, I think he'll be at Bromley in next season oh, uh, no with chance. his mate Byron Webster. And then uh, he'll be at, like... Uh, Stafford Rangers, Bil- that's where Billericay Town. He'll do a year there, and then he'll just die. He's a player who should be... better not should... die, but... <laughs> that's a bit, a, a bit harsh. <laughs> um,
0: he'll, he'll basically... He's he's going to end up playing at low and low league levels of strength. He should be pushing mm. himself towards moving the championship, really, with the ability mm. he's got. And he has got ability, there's no doubt about that. He's just got a real attitude problem. And he, sometimes mm. you need to wake up and realise... And it's it's fantastic that we don't have any bad eggs like that in the squad this season, really, isn't it? In comparison,
2: yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, having said that, I think if Stephen Pressley rocks up somewhere north of the border, um, he might bring him there because Pressley sort of loved him a little bit, didn't he? But I don't know,
0: he seemed to get the best out of him, didn't he? Pressley, I think that, that's the way you'd look at it, but um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Michael, that's all the X-Files done and that's it coming for this episode. Thanks very much for joining me. A hell of a long one, this one, isn't it? It's much longer Mm -hmm. than normal. Um, In terms of specials, me and Dan are going to get around to doing the (laughs) shirts on soon. We were going to do it today, but it's been a bit of a manic one, so I've not really had the chance. Um, But that will be coming soon, 100% promise you that one. Yeah, if you've got anything you'd like us to discuss, and we you've obviously seen today, we've answered a lot of questions from the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group. We always put posts up there before we record asking for your questions. But if you want to send us them in via at Brunton Bugle on Twitter or by email to bruntonbugle at gmail.com, more than happy to, to bring them up if we've got the time. Uh, if you haven't already, you sure you have. Most people have now. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to the podcast via all good podcast apps, including Acas, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Please do also give us a review. We really, really do appreciate it, especially if you give us a five-star review. Don't give us a one or two. <laughs> if you think we're not quite good enough, give us a four, but give us a five if you can because it really does help because more people then see it and get it out to more people and we can get more people listening because it's exactly what we want. Um, world, Cup of map, uh, world Cup Map of Listeners. I don't know why I call it World Cup Map of Listeners. The World <laughs> Map of Listeners. We've got some new ones, Mike. Oh, go on. For the first time, we have listeners in France and Spain. Incredible
2: that. It's staying until now to get listeners in France and Spain. Well, we've got a listener in France. When Toure has been back in France, is that a coincidence? I don't know. Mm,
0: Possibly, possibly. I mean, we had Gibraltar the other day, and I've just checked that the Spain listener is not far from Gibraltar. So maybe they've nipped over the border for the day and (laughs) listened to it there. Thank you if you have, because that's just given us another country, and we really do appreciate that. Other than that, yeah, it's all the usual places. Luxembourg's still on there, um, the Netherlands, Turkey, a bit of Germany. You know, there are everyone listening across the world. Thank you so much for listening. I really do hope everyone out there had a, a good Christmas and New Year. I'm sure you all did because Carl United are top of the league. And that's the most important <laughs> thing, isn't it, Mike? Isn't exactly. It? In terms of the next episodes, I think we're looking at potentially doing one middle of next week. What we're going to do? We're going to review the two games that have just gone, and we'll also do a mid-season view because at that point we'll have played 23 games. Mm. touch what they haven't been called off but that's the point we'll be at and we'll discuss how the season's gone for us and also the rest of the league as well and have a a look how it might pan out for the rest of the campaign Um, Mike thanks for joining me hope you have a a good weekend hope you can catch as much of the game as possible on Saturday thanks everyone for listening and up the blues